I'm John Herter. Wednesday, first day of December. Great as always to have you along, everybody. In a nutshell, From the Experts is a compressed virtual networking accelerator, helping people across industries connect very quickly in a brief, moderated, interactive show format. Hey, we're like a TED Talk with interactive discussion. 15-minute expert talk, followed by about 20 minutes of group discussion with you. So what's in it for you? Our promise, if everything goes well, your curiosity spark new ideas, accelerate action, and you may have helped yourself or somebody else solve a problem, make a connection, reaching the opportunity faster. Making authentic connections and expanding networks has never been more important to your business and your well-being. Folks, help me welcome guest expert Adipat Virdi. Adi is an immersive expert with over 20 years in digital immersive production with various organizations developing cutting-edge story worlds and intellectual property, using emerging tech to deliver narratives that provide a framework for both social and commercial impact. Most recently at Facebook, he led the emerging platforms team there, their exploration of virtual reality and XR in immersive experiences. Adi, our conversations around the metaverse and understanding what it is, how companies are thinking, planning to leverage its potential has been very interesting and eye-opening. So grateful that you could be with us today to help the group better understand why this matters for their business today. Fantastic. Thank you so much, John. Thank you to From the Expert and really excited that you guys are all here. Um, I guess it would be worthwhile to just start and give you a little bit of background as to, you know, the route here and, um, you know, where, where we're sort of going forward. So uh, essentially, in terms of background, um, life kind of started with my parents saying, you know, architecture, medicine or law, what do you want to do? Right? And so architecture was the front runner because it was creative, but I've always wanted to sort of write and make films. <clears throat> so my careers have dovetailed whereby um, I've kind of emerged in the immersive space via transmedia and interactive. Uh, I've had various roles at various companies. Um, uh, some highlights were the BBC, where I took the whole organization through an agile workshop and rapid prototyping process to move them into thinking digitally and immersively about the way they produce content and most recently as John said you know I've been at Facebook the title there was rather grand you know sort of a global creative product lead for VR but essentially what that meant was that within that platform within the Oculus platform how could I sort of lead the charge on looking at the creative potential of VR and more widely immersive and push that towards commercial impact so what, what does the what does that mean for businesses today and I guess that's a good springboard for our talk today uh, around the metaverse it's the first thing to say is we're all learning I mean this is a term that's only you know become very much part of the ether because of you know Facebook's rebranding and sort of everyone is now wanting to know what a metaverse is as well as to actually become a metaverse and you know yes it's great to be able to provide some insights but i hope that this session and this, especially the discussion afterwards is about really learning together and evolving our collective understanding because it's such a nascent topic um, and i hope i can sort of shed a little bit of light on where i think this is going and where some of the work that i've been doing has provided a little bit of focus um so i'd love to start with a definition you know so very much if we look at what a metaverse is 
at a very basic, you know, take everything away. It's about that space where the physical and the digital world meet. So if we're talking about e-commerce, if we're talking about sort of solutions in the real world, what is that crossover and how can we start to use and leverage, you know, digital thinking to create essentially better uh, audience engagement? So that's kind of at the heart of what this is. But, you know, if we, if we take it to, you know, Joe blogs on the street, somebody who owns their own business and has a website, you know, where a very another basic way of looking at this is, it's essentially a 3D website, right? So what does your, your website become? What is the future of the internet? And it's kind of moving into this space where if we think about it in three layers, it's, it's about that sort of three dimensionality of you know, the internet. So what is it behind uh, the actual uh, you know, screen? What is that three dimensional world, world look like? What does it mean to you? And how do you get your consumers to engage with that? But the second layer is how do we augment those experiences? How do we essentially fine tune that cycle? between content, consumer, and brand. That's what we want to do. We want to move towards that space. We want to try and create experiences that people say, yep, I want to partake of whatever this product or service is, and I want to buy into the brand values of the organization. So essentially, the metaverse, or thinking around the metaverse, is moving us away from multiple one-time transactions to multiple interactions within that space. So almost the, the purchase of something, the, the, the financial you know, output from something, it's almost a byproduct of creating a longer term value proposition. And that's kind of where the benefit of this comes in. Now, a couple of things to mention here is, you know, the, the metaverse is here, it's not an if, it's a when, right? So we are evolving this, people are thinking about that digital space, they're thinking about the three-dimensionality of that digital space. And essentially, the thing that's driving that is the need for socialization, personalization, and creating bespoke opportunities for consumers to engage, right? So e-commerce is becoming a lot more social. And I guess one term that people have started using to describe what a metaverse might be is experiential e-commerce. So how do we make that experiential part of e-commerce become the, the fr front runner of how we deliver that engagement? Now, the other thing that I'd, uh, I think is very important to bear in mind is we essentially are moving to a position where we are gamifying the shopping experience or the consumer experience. So that gamification in terms of, and I don't mean you know, creating a, a, a game world or gaming opportunity. It's about how it is that we can gamify and make the experience of sharing a shopping experience or sharing uh, uh, the way in which we interact with a product a lot more interactive and enhanced. And as I said before, a lot more bespoke. But everything that I've said up till now is about third person passive engagement. Because what I've described here is the interaction with the metaverse through a screen, right? So anything that has a screen as an arbiter is still third person and it's still passive. When you then take the metaverse, and that was, you know, the, let's call it, you know, the, the metaverse 1.0, the next version of that or the next evolution of that is to be able to experience that metaverse virtually, which means you are wrapping 
the metaverse around you rather than it being separate from you and you experience it through something like a screen. And when that happens, that engagement that we've been talking about becomes first person and participatory. And that's key because what we're saying then is that everything becomes not just more personalized, but it becomes very much about you as the consumer, as the person who's experiencing this, right at the heart of the way you create that engagement. So I guess the question of, well, what's at stake, right? What's at stake when we talk in these terms? And I would argue everything, because when we start to think about the metaverse as experienced virtually, and that's kind of where it's evolving with the platforms that you know Facebook and others are creating, we are reconceptualizing the way in which we deliver engagement. It's got to be from the consumer up rather than from the sort of product up, as it were. And the second thing is, well, you know, what, why is this important now? And with everything that I've said so far, one of the key things to bear in mind here is the audience is already evolving. So Gen Z, in terms of how they are interacting and socializing are already using technologies which they are hacking to suit their own communication interaction socialization and shopping needs so we're actually playing catch up to match the environments um, sorry the poll keeps popping up <laughs> and to match the environments that we are creating and the experiences we're creating to suit those modes of engagement so this is a very timely thing for us to bear in mind um, the other couple of things I wanted to mention around this were around social presence because essentially what we're trying to do here is build empathy right so empathy becomes our currency right that's what we're talking about here we it's no longer about a linear mode of communication between you the you know the brand or, or whoever and your consumer it's about a multimodal and multi-directional communication which is it's dialogue right it's because what people want is to become advocates and fans not just consumers and it's that that we need to bear in mind. It's that sort of empathy ecosystem that we need to build in order for something like the metaverse to take shape around, um, you know, businesses that want to move in this space. <clears throat> you know, another valid question which we can discuss after is, well, should every business, you know, think about being a metaverse? Is it applicable to everyone? And I, I don't know if I know the answer to that just yet, because it's the... the it's all about what the questions are we're asking, what the questions are that we're trying to solve for any particular business or any particular entity that's wanting to take advantage of what the metaverse can give them. And as I said before, we're evolving to that space. And there's a couple of other caveats here is the metaverse in its purest sense, if you were to think about the word metaverse, it should, be open source and I think we're going to get to a point where you know enough of these you know the, the oligopoly that currently holds the currency around the metaverse when that has got to a point where it's been hacked enough and we are truly open source I think we're going to get to a point where this is going to become you know pervasive and ubiquitous to a point where we move from physical solutions to e-commerce solutions 
to what I call V-commerce solution. So this V-com, uh, notion of V-com is something that's really important. And I think it is something that's going to give us that choice to say, well, you know, what can we do to create other angles, other opportunities for consumers to engage with our brand and our products? And VR headsets, I think, are going to become a fundamental part of our toolkit as well as our phone you know to have and obviously at the moment we haven't reached a point of ubiquity yet because you know no one wants to wear a brick on their face right so it's evolving and we will get to a point where you know these glasses or whatever they are will become something that is people will want to have one on their person and be able to experience the world through that lens and augment the information that they need in the way that they want it um, and I guess the last thing to say on this is that Metascapes is probably a better way of describing what we're talking about. It is about every business thinking about what it is that they want to do to create that sort of brand ecosystem within which their consumers can find different ways of engaging. And yes, you know, there's <clears throat> we can go into uh, uh, conversations around cryptocurrency in a minute, but it's very much about saying, well, there are things like Roblox and, you know, Fortnite that exist. These are metaverse platforms. They're two of the biggest, but there are literally daily, you know, startups who are creating metaverse platforms for us to be able to play in. And there's no reason we can't move to a place where we'll be able to create our own metaverse, just like we can create our own website. And I, I wanted to end on, you know, the, the conversation around NFTs and uh, cryptocurrency, because a lot of people are talking about, you know, well, what are NFTs and, you know, how do they apply to the whole metaverse conversation? So NFT, if, if we can go into descriptions, if, uh, apologies if uh, there are certain terms that people don't know yet, and we can talk about that and clarify, but NFTs as a basic thing, it's like a token, right? It's a non-fungible token. It's like, it's like a piece of real estate, right? So if we think about a metaverse as virtual real estate, which is where we're moving to, there was an article in the New York Times yesterday about how people are buying up virtual real estate. NFTs become the building blocks of how we start to essentially sort of landscape that real estate and add our own sort of, you know, values, our own sort of, you know, uh, imprint onto the, uh, the metaverse. And so therefore we can evolve a new kind of economy based on these cryptocurrencies that essentially are blockchain based, which means they can become more bespoke and actually really tagged on to your brand and what your brand can then do to engage you know within the world on multiple levels um so there's quite a lot of information there but i wonder if this might be a good point to just take a breather and just to sort of open it up a little bit to see if there's any clarifications or any questions initially to talk about <clears throat> what maybe uh, you didn't quite get that I could clarify before we move on to some of the bigger bigger questions that have come through. So I, I hope that's okay, John. Yeah, absolutely. Folks, feel free to do that in the chat box or speak up. While you're doing that, uh, just to finish off the awareness poll, looks like everybody here is pretty aware. About 4% say that you know, Metaverse, as far as they know today, is not relevant for their business. 41% says it has potential, but they got to know more. <coughs> Another 15 says it is definitely on their radar and 41% uh, believe it should be a part of uh, their long-term strategy. 
So that's where we are there. Any clarifications uh, from anything that Audie has said so far, the terminology? So a lot of that's been pretty new to me, but some of it's pretty classic uh, uh, sales and marketing strategy development around customer and uh, value proposition, but understanding that this is a new platform. That's been interesting for me. We have some questions in the chat, John. Oh, those are your questions, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. <laughs> so here's one. Can you read it, Audie? It says, beyond Facebook and gaming organizations, what are some of the organizations and brands that you think are exceptionally well-suited for metaverse strategy? And how are you seeing other organizations begin to move in that direction? That's a, that's a good question. So yes, the big players are creating metaverse platforms, but the, the, the key, I guess the key answer to that question is, it's a lot of companies are now starting to think of this as a strategic way of growing their business rather than just applying tech solutions. Because one of the things that we have to be mindful of, and one of the things I've seen companies doing, is they will veneer on a solution and say, hey, here's a VR experience, and actually tag that onto their existing business model, rather than actually rethinking what immersive can do for their business and delivering a solution that is thought through from the foundation up because I think at the moment what this isn't is an opportunity to just create more content uh, which is sort of VR um, it's actually an opportunity to re-pivot the organization from the core up to think about what engagement actually means and what to about, that sorry, go sorry. On. what about some of the brands or names of companies right that, that you're familiar with doing this right now uh -huh. Well, um, uh, Charlotte Tilbury is a big name that comes to mind. Virgin Atlantic um, are doing some work around this. And actually, a lot of the beauty brands are taking this on board. You know, that I think what's happening is the brands which rely on personalization are the ones who are taking this up primarily because they, they feel the need to really showcase how they can get closer to their consumers. The other big trend is with uh, automotive brands. So automotive brands are moving to this space. So Cosworth, for instance, are one company who have talked about how they can use, uh, you know, metaverse thinking to really revision how people engage with not only their brand, but their product range, for instance. So there's a lot of thinking around those kind of sectors. Entertainment's another sector where, you know, how do we actually provide uh, experiences which are first person and participatory? What does that actually mean? How do we create, for instance, 3D, you know, 360 content, right. which would feed into the way in which we can engage with IP on a lot of different levels. So it's more, it's rather specific companies. There are verticals that seem to be doing a lot of that thinking that are at the forefront. And retail as a general vertical is, is definitely thinking about that more so than others. So, so here's some interesting feedback. We've got three different folks. One of them is the technology director uh, for a startup. And uh, uh, Grant says, hey, not to be Mr. Doom, but security's got to be a challenge with this. And then I'd like to move on to Ryan Anderson. Hey, Ryan, good to see you. Uh, so he runs innovation for Herman Miller. And uh, he's saying outside of gaming, we don't really see VR or SIM environments becoming mainstream. VR and AR are now over 30 years old, 3D televisions, second life, Google glasses. What makes you think that a tipping point actually 
has occurred to transition from these misses into actualized metaverse? Well, okay, big question, good question. So um, it's, um, I, I think, up what's happened in the last two years, and especially in terms of how the pandemic has accelerated the way in which we sort of communicate, think, and strategize globally, there is definitely a shift in my mind in terms of trying to grow the business in a more pervasive way, in a way that keeps hold of consumers in a more sort of long-term and personalized um, uh, way, and also engages those consumers in, in the brand and its values because that is where you create long-term you know stickiness as it were i think it's this notion of it's not just about purchasing items or you know sort of paying for something it's about creating value it's about creating that ongoing advocacy is what i think is creating that tipping point and you know i i know herman miller um, from my sort of architectural background so we had a lot to do with herman miller and actually um a, a, there's a manufacturing company who would be a good uh, sort of you know corollary here that they have uh, what they are using VR and sort of metaverse com uh, concepts for is to actually rebuild some of their processes and their plants within VR to actually be able to have a more cost-effective and more immediate way of, for instance, solving problems that they want to sort of uh, deal with in their in the real space and actually using it as a diagnostic tool as a training tool so i think all of these things have come together right now to create that tipping point and i think it's it's one of those things that we at least need to think about to know whether it applies to our business or not uh, ryan's shaking his head fair enough i think he said thank you um no problem the, two more and then i want to as well though <clears throat> couple more and then I want to take a little break. So one from a finance industry professional, <laughs> another one for the technical field. So two different technical fields trying to figure out what to do here. Uh, Scott Dozier, finance industry, having a hard time understanding monetary value of the concept of metaverse real estate. Can you shed some light on that? And then the second is uh, from Lori. She's saying, what are your thoughts around more technical fields such as medical, engineering, modeling, and simulation world. How could this concept uh, play and create some value? So I'll take I'll take Laurie's question first, and then we'll circle back to Scott's. Um, so, so one of the projects I'm working on right now is to build a global immersive medical school, and all this is about training. How do I break down, you know, cross cultural barriers to deliver medical ex uh, education globally and create that kind of or facilitate that kind of knowledge transfer. And I think the answer to this question is simply that, for instance, if you think about um, your digital twin, uh, if we go to a point, and this is where the other big thing that's moving this industry forward is the notion of us represented digitally. So what does your avatar look like? Who are you digitally? How do you represent yourself digitally? If we take that as read, that that is what's happening and that's where we're going, it's about being able to connect globally. It's about being able to have knowledge transfer on a global scale and break down those barriers between content and consumer, right? And I think that's where this concept really creates value. But like I also said, it's nascent. So we, we are figuring it out 
as we go along. And, <clears throat> and in answer to Laurie's, but also to circle back to Scott's, the notion of virtual real estate is simply, as I understand it, this, that because we're dealing in a, a three-dimensional environment, which has a spatial element to it, it's not just a case of, hey, my website exists on a server. I don't know where that server is, but you know, there's a couple of things that ping over there and I get access to these pages. You actually can conceptualize what this virtual space will be. So I personally think we're moving to a space where the world will be represented virtually. So you will actually have you know, locations that you visit virtually that you can buy and own virtually, which is where the cryptocurrency modeling will come from and where NFTs will become the tokens with which you start to actually build that world and create that personalization. So I think that's where the virtual real estate concept is going. And it's all going to merge with this notion of, well, how do we then use this, this virtual real estate to, I don't know, build a, what I call a metaversity, right? So like, a, like a, a hub for education, say, right? So I think that kind of stuff is where, where it's heading to. I hope that answers some, somewhat your questions. It does. Folks, today's show is uh, brought to you by our underwriters, Unique Ventures, the energy hybrid technology accelerator with a unique approach to venture capital. Porter Hedges, attorneys at law, the informed choice for complicated litigation in the energy business. Alliance Benefit Group, building retirement plans for your business that work. Interpoint, protecting what you care about most, people, profits, brand, and the environment. And a special thanks to our partner, Ecosystems 2030, for supporting FTE's Future of Technology mini-series. Learn more about their premier technology thought leadership summit coming this summer at es2030.com. Okay, let's continue the conversation. Uh, Gus, would you go ahead and put up our springboard questions for just a minute? You guys may have seen these, but we'll put them out there. And uh, while we're doing that, um, what I'd like to do is move on with the question that we had in the chat from uh, Steve. So Steve, uh, Steve Igo has uh, been in the medical business, uh, medical devices business a long time, and he's got a startup right now. And he says, well, can avatars actually be manipulated to reflect a false personality? Uh, how do I know that I'm communicating with the real you and not a fantasy version? This primacy question, right, that we all deal with now. Absolutely. But then, I mean, that's always going to be the case. Like, how, how can I guarantee that the person who's phoning me is who they say they are? You know, there's enough technology that exists to manipulate that. So, you know, I, I guess my question, to that, not to be facetious, but my question to that is, with anything that's new, there's always going to be those questions, there's always going to be those issues. Um, but it's about how we sort of collectively solve them. So I think those kind of problems have existed in whenever there's been a sort of, you know, technological advent of something new, uh, we just need to learn the lessons from what's already happened and hopefully apply them in a way that minimizes um, or mitigates, you know, some of the issues that might come up. But yes, absolutely, there is potential for that, but I hope we can overcome them. Uh, fair enough. And uh, Gus just posted the, the same questions in the chat box. So reflect on those and feel free to step up and share your your perspective or questions, Ferrati. And Louise, are you still there? I'm interested in uh, some of the things and your perspective of this. Would you mind sharing what you're doing? Yeah, I am. Um, hello, everyone. Um, I am somebody who has spent uh, 
a number of years working for the film studios. I've run global strategy at Disney. I've run international strategy at Sony um, and increasingly have moved across into looking at technology for solutions for, for content makers as well as for, for marketing teams. Um, and I think one of the things that really strikes me about what, what Adipat has been saying, and he and I have been walk, uh, kind of talking about this a lot and venturing into this space together, is, is how do you get out of what is the, I think the obvious kind of pocket around entertainment for the metaverse and take it into business. Um, and actually some of the solutions that the film industry has already employed for, for marketing purposes would apply to, to any business that is you know, involved in advertising itself to the outside world. Um, and I think that's an area where it's, depending on what the nature of your business is, it's well worth thinking about the metaverse as offering a solution. Um, because ultimately, the things that really come from that more immersive experience is connection and is empathy with your consumer, with the customer. Um, on a film perspective, just to give you a very, very kind of off the, off the top of my mind kind of example, back in um, 2015, Sony had a, a movie that some of you might have seen called The Walk. And it was about the, the high wire walk between the World Trade Centers that was conducted in, the, in 1974. And we had and created an, an interactive, immersive experience for marketing that was only minimized in terms of the reach of this exercise because of the, the need for a physical setup to execute it. It's the kind of thing now which actually would be so much more impactful. But what it did was to give people the chance to wear a VR headset and to actually walk out from one tower Onto, a, onto that high wire and get a sensation of what it was like to actually be the, the high wire artist. And nothing prepared me for what that experience was going to feel like. And what was extraordinary was having seen the film multiple times and then spending a few minutes doing this immersive walk, I could never see the film again in the same way. I had a whole new understanding, a whole new way of connecting with it. Um, and that was something which actually is, you know, as I say, was back in 2015. It was quite a straightforward way of executing and using VR to, to actually help advertise a film. But it need not have been the film. It could have been anything that we were advertising. It could have been toothpaste. Um, but I do think that for, from a marketing perspective, all of this area and the metaverse is absolutely key. Thank you very much, Louise. So very interesting, right, from your environment. So let's shift over and see if we can't get some comments. Uh, you know, in a way, you know, is the metaverse really a push thing or is it being pushed our way? Do we really need it? I think there's some interesting uh, tension there. Uh, Diane, are you still with us? I I'd like to, you know, you work with GE and you started ecosystems and a lot of things there. Now you've got your own thing. So can you share your perspective and what, how you're looking at this opportunity? Yeah, thanks, John. And Addy, just amazing and, uh, and really inspiring. So, um, yeah, I, I am listening to Addy and, and just thinking about the incredible potential. I, again, we'll walk before we run with this, but the, um, I, I love the, um, the ability to just completely think, to Addy's point, from the ground up, the, the value that we can offer to not only the markets and the customers that we serve, but also our own teams. And I, I think there are some important comments in the, in the chat window as well, but if we think about this, kind of step back from 
what we do very well every day and say, okay, how can we use this as a way to, to really rethink the human experience, whether that experience is, is with our customers or with our teams. Ultimately, um, the way markets are moving, employees and, and our teams and our suppliers are um, need to be viewed as customers as well, right? We have to have, um, we have to earn the right to engage with the, um, the resources around us, whether those are on the supply side or the demand side, but, but this, this has the potential to give us the freedom to basically um, democratize the world and work, right? And, and um, move, move opportunities and value into reach for, um, for resources and individuals that, that may have been um, for whom these experiences and opportunities could previously have been out of reach. So is your sense in working with other businesses, I mean, is this a profitable venture for small and medium size, or is this only for the biggest companies that just have tons of money and can invest in things like this? Yeah, no, I, I see this becoming much more um, expansive and extensive and, and frankly disruptive and, and mainstream. So I, I do think to Addie's point, um, the the early the early entrance will be, you know, the folks that can afford it. But uh, but I do see I do see this becoming much more mainstream and and frankly setting the setting the standard of expectations for business and consumers. So it's it's really exciting. Um, I think there's a lot of work to be done, but uh, but this is exciting. Yeah, no, it is. So I'm going to go back to a couple of questions. We've got uh, Hani on the call with us here. He's a venture capitalist and an investor. And he says, Adipat, hey, can you comment on the importance of the metaverse for collaborative workflows? Uh, example, working in a virtual team across time zones. And then with Mike Birkenhoff, he says, what about from an infrastructure basis? How do you think the metaverse will actually be hosted by one or a limited number of web hosting companies? Or will it be a patchwork of independent service from across the world? Okay, so just to deal with um, Honey's question, good question. I think you know, the way we are dealing with collaborative workflows now without, without there being a metaverse, one of the key blockers that I think people are faced with, and certainly I, I am in my experience, is how do we viscerally get the same experience of actually being in the same space, in the same room as our colleagues, whether we are globally located and how do we effectively, you know, do something meaningful within that space. And I think the metaverse or the metaverse, thinking around what a metaverse could be, helps to alleviate some of those issues by really, you know, pinpointing how we can create that first person participatory engagement. So very much like, you know, Louise's thing about the high wire, how can we actually make you feel like you are in that space and actually collaborating with somebody within a virtual environment, which is as close to the visceral feeling of being in the same room as somebody physically. And I think, you know, that, that's actually really important. And one of the key, just to, very quickly, one of the key things that I did at Facebook was 
to look at this uh, question of how do we feel objects in VR? How can we actually get a sense of what it's like to lift something up and get a sense that we've got it in our hands? And also um, we did a piece on sensorial marketing, you know, how do we map touch, taste and smell to the controllers? Is there a way we can create the five senses in that virtual environment by using that sort of transport, uh, transportation into the first, uh, first person, participatory realm that I've been talking about. And just to answer Mike's question, do you know, it is, like I said before, it's an oligopoly at the moment, right? It's all the big players are saying, hey, we'll host, we want to be the big players here, we want everyone to be on our platform. And I think that's how it's going to move. Um, you know, Roblox is going to grow even bigger than it is, because I think Fortnite has a sort of platform that it's going to reach in terms of, you know, what, what its sort of core intentions are. But those are going to start getting hacked and we are going to move to a patchwork as you say of independent servers around the world and when that happens i think it's all going to come together into an organically evolved open source metaverse so i think that's the way it's it's going to build so it's exciting it's an exciting space thank you uh floor is open here we've got a question uh feel free to jump in how should we be thinking about the regulatory innovation that will need to match pace with the development of this? And should we be considering a base layer of digital infrastructure that is supportive of our public institutions? And we have a CEO of a public, part of a public institution on the call with us. Do you want me to answer or should we wait? For yeah, you? no, please, Adi. Yeah, that's for you. Um, so <laughs> um, in terms of the um, uh, regulatory innovation, um, I, I don't know. It's something that we do need to bear in mind. And I actually think somebody needs to pick up the mantle to do that. And I actually think that if a forward thinking government or a forward thinking, you know, public institution actually says, right, we are going to build a metaverse to represent who we are for the wider community. I think that's where our best lessons are going to come. You know, a community serving you know, public facing uh, infrastructure where we can actually sort of experiment and really fine tune what is and isn't possible to deliver what the you know boundaries of that blueprint is. But it's it's just we definitely should be considering that. And I think that is one thing that's going to allow us to build in a an effective and innovative way. So one of the things you said, Adi, was this uh, it's going to improve uh, our connectivity and uh, uh, humanity, right? Making us closer. And I'm curious about, uh, Aiden, if you're still on the call, uh, you've done a lot of work uh, about the tech and how people interface with the tech. And so what's your take on what you're hearing from Adi? And, and uh, yeah. So, hey, John, hey, everybody. So thank you for, for asking the question. Hopefully it's not too noisy where I am. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really fascinated by this and that, you know, I thought, you know, Louise's example of the highway was absolutely fantastic and really brought it home. The, the question I've got, because obviously, you know, sort of, you know, my, my focus is on sort of, you know, human relationships. And sort of we know that, you know, whether it be sort of, you know, the telephone or email or Zoom, we know that these technologies are suboptimal from, you know, human interaction perspective in terms of, you know, they, they, they exclude certain sort of levels of information for technical reasons, which the brain needs to be able to make sense of interactions we're having with others. And so my question is like, I get it, the VR technology is you know, great and it's improving all the time, but you know, I'm yet to be convinced that a VR experience will be as fulfilling and meaningful 
as an in-person experience. And I'd love to get sort of, you know, Addy's thoughts and, and everybody else's thoughts on, you know, sort of, will this, is this just another form of a suboptimal human interaction compared to person-to-person interaction? Thanks, Aidan. My, my very simple answer to that, Aidan, and I think it's something we sort of vaguely talked about a little while ago, is this is not meant to replicate. This is meant to augment. So we're not trying to replicate, replicate that human interaction. Nothing's going to replace that, in my view. I'm with you on that, you know, and it, everything's going to be suboptimal to that. What we're trying to do here is to create other choices, other opportunities, and to sort of operate on a global scale and create sort of experiences that allow us to get closer and more granular to say, you know, the information around a product or exactly what the experience might be, um, you know, of a, a certain service or what an experience could allow us to do. I mean, and I'm going to tie that into a question here about accessibility. It's like, how how can we use this way where we can actually walk in any person's shoes, right? We could live a completely different life. Can we use that to make some social impact? Could we get, um, I don't know, deal with PTSD in a safe way? You know, so those are the kind of things I think this is going to be useful for. I don't think it's there to sort of replicate anything because I don't think any, anything can. Um, but I think there are lots of advantages of this and I hope that they can work together to, to sort of, you know. So, um, so, so I mean, I think, it's, I, think it's a, I think it's a super answer, Addy. I think sort of my concern is and you know i get it it's not so i'm I'm reassured to hear that you said it's not going to replace it my concern is that sort of it becomes so good that it becomes the default option for interaction and as a result we crowd out you know sort of human human interaction the same way that teenagers they are spending less time than ever with other teenagers and they're sitting in their bedrooms with their screens and so they're actually becoming less adept socially Um, and i'm just wondering you know sort of does the metaverse become so good i'd like to do then I'd like exactly. to do. Sorry, sorry, hey, John, I missed that. Yeah, it's okay. You've been breaking up. I think uh, Adi got the gist of your question. Okay. Adi, do you have a 15 yeah. second? <laughs> yeah, my very, very quick response to that is, it's like, you know, we all have a mobile phone uh, today, which we didn't when I was, you know, when I was a youngster. Yes, there are sort of social issues, but I think there's always been some form of that. I don't think that this evolution is going to take away in any more of a sort of big and overarching way that anything else has over the last few generations. There's always been something that disrupts. So I just think we've got to find a way through it and make sure that we realize that human interaction is key and fight that fight and just make sure everything else is in service to that. Great. So we're going to close this down, Nadi, with uh, all the business uh, leaders out there. How do they get their hands around this to figure out how to monetize it, how to create the strategy around this thing? Well, let me answer that by saying this. I use a, a, a three-part sort of strategy um, uh, to do this. And what I tend to do is I, I we do a discovery meeting. So that because a lot of the questions are, well, what is a metaverse? What is immersive? How can that help? So that discovery meeting helps to break that barrier down. Level two is an agile workshop and rapid prototyping process to say, what is it that Immersive can do to help a business and how can we work together to evolve that solution set and those buckets? And layer three is to build, um, you know, to forecast, to future cost the next 10, 20, 50 years, and then work back and say, what's the minimum viable product we can build to show the value of this to a business and then move forward. So that's what I've been doing with various companies in order to show the value and to monetize, you know, how this can help uh, going forward. 
Got it. Thank you for that. So, folks, how was the talk and discussion today? If you kindly take the 30-second survey dropped in the chat and let us know what you thought about it. Hey, share FTE with others that you want to network with by forwarding our newsletters, inviting them to join other events. Follow us on LinkedIn and leave us a comment if that makes sense for you. Do you or somebody you know want to be a guest expert just like Audie? To share a current challenge, learn and get feedback from the network just like today? Maybe your company would like to be a sponsor of a show or join our underwriter team and build brand thought leadership and extend your virtual presence? Contact us. We want to talk to you. Looking ahead, 2022 season's going to be even better, rich with leaders and current issues that you care about, helping you connect, learn, network, accelerating that innovation and action, helping you reach that opportunity faster. So stay tuned and get involved. If you've missed any of our shows or looking for fresh content and ideas, check us out on demand via podcast or video. Folks, we're out of time. I want to thank you once again, Adi Pat. We really appreciate your time, all of your interesting feedback, and everybody on the show today for making FTE the smartest 45 minutes in your day. Take care, and we'll see you next time.